Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. Great cigar. Just lighting that up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a wonderful cigar. This is a... Uh, let me see what this is. This is a Rocky Patel. It's a... Uh, it's an unbranded... Or, I'm sorry, unbanded, to be precise. Uh, Rocky Patel Double Maduro. A Toro, meaning it's shaped a little bit like a torpedo on one end. A Double Maduro, dark Maduro leaves... All the way through. The wrapper is a dark, beautiful, oily, almost looks like chocolate. It is a really good cigar. Mm-hmm. Lots of smoke. Great cigar. When, uh, let me get the edge of that right there. Oh, uh, yeah. I got it with a torch. The first one was a match, but get the edge of it with a torch so it lights perfectly. Uh, when someone steps into this uh, little podcast recording studio um, <clears throat> after me, even though it's very well ventilated and set up for cigars, they always know that I have been in here before. It takes a few hours for it actually to kind of ventilate all the smoke out. But hey, hey, I'm glad you're here. Good to imagine you uh, sitting across from me. If you were, I would be sharing this uh, wonderful cigar with you. Um, and not a bourbon this time. I'm not having a bourbon. It's uh, a little early in the day for a bourbon. I think it's about 12.30, but you know there's that certain time of the day where uh, it, for some folks it's too early in the day for a bourbon, but too late in the day for coffee? Well, those two overlap for me. I can I can drink this this beautiful Arabica bean coffee, ground it fresh, just made it a few minutes before this podcast, and I use a, use a Chemex pour-over right now. Sometimes I'll do an espresso machine. But usually it's a Chemex pour-over, and it's just nice dark coffee, probably five, six ounces of this stuff. I don't have necessarily those kind of caffeine receptors, I guess, that most people have got. I can drink coffee, strong coffee, and go to bed and fall asleep. doesn't make my heart go crazy or my brain go crazy, but it's uh, wonderful stuff. Mm. Dark coffee with a dark cigar, they go together very well. They really go together very well. Some folks look at how I drink coffee and uh, they they think, what is wrong with you? <laughs> they compare how I can drink coffee at night with how they, they can't even spell the word coffee at night or else they will not be able to sleep all night long. And gee, what is wrong with you? You're kind of dumb. That reminds me a little bit of today's podcast theme. Today's title is, gee, you're dumb. <laughs> Uh, did you have one of these friends like I did back in sixth grade? His name was Bradley. He had all kinds of bizarre sixth grade boy games that he liked to play, and uh, I'm sure I did too, but uh, one of the games he loved to play was uh, stand right in front of you, and he'd say, look up, and you'd look up. Look down, and you'd look down. And he'd say, look at my thumb, and he'd have it right in front of my face. And then when you looked at his thumb, he'd say, gee, you're dumb. 
<laughs> Remember that one? Oh, well, I fell for that one a couple of times. And whenever I would fall for that, or anyone else actually would fall for that, it, all the, the crew that I had around me would just screech with mockery, <laughs> as if that is how you knew someone was dumb. Bradley was kind of my on-again, off-again, emphasis on off-again friend when I was in sixth grade and seventh grade, and maybe I think on even into eighth grade. He, he just delighted in comparing all of us in the, in the squad to one another. And in his sixth grade educated opinion, I was the most gullible of all, apparently. This reflexive look at his stubby little dirty thumb as it was thrust in my face also meant, according to him, that I was the dumbest person of all. And I remember looking around, I, just, I could clearly remember this, looking around and wondering if I was, was I, was I the dumbest, was I even dumber than Randy over there? He was the newest member to our little group. Randy ate glue. <laughs> oh, Bradley's implicit comparison of me to Randy Glue Eater left me feeling a little smaller and I think a little dumber. Perhaps as an adult... You've been prodded into comparing yourself with others, too. Maybe you scrolled through Instagram or strolled through a conference and studied the success of others who are in positions that appear to be like yours, and you found yourself comparing your progress, your place, to their place, your skills to their skills, your effectiveness to theirs. Maybe you found yourself wondering why your results don't quite match up quietly maybe even wondering why you don't match up? Well, you know it's natural for us to compare ourselves to others? Back in the 1950s, a psychologist by the name of Leon Festinger, <laughs> isn't that a great name? Uh, he, he was the one who suggested that we have an innate drive to evaluate ourselves in comparison to other people. You know, it doesn't take a psychologist like Leon I think it'd be great if his middle name was Frederick. It, it's not, but Leon Frederick Festinger. <laughs> we don't need psychologists like myself to often tell us the obvious. We all kind of knew that. But the great value of his work was he described a couple of different kinds of comparison, and then what happens after we do that. He described what he called upward comparison. That's the habit of evaluating oneself in light of people who are much further along in their experience or their skills than we are. And then he also identified, as you can guess, downward comparison as that habit of evaluating oneself against the performance of those who are beginners relative to us in our sphere. Neither of these comparisons, he suggested later in his work, result in meaningful or sustained change. Most of the time, these kind of comparisons are found to be subtly demotivating to us. Not quite toxic at first, but just kind of, I don't know, they, it's like they bore a hole in the bucket of our motivation and slowly drain it out the bottom. They eventually create a garden of self-doubt from which spring the weeds of judgmental and moralistic criticism. Moreover, as multiple psychological studies have confirmed, those who compare themselves to others are actually worse off. When we compare ourselves to other people, we actually experience a little bit higher levels of discouragement, maybe even a lot higher levels of discouragement that can lead to depression and anger 
In fact, those who compare themselves to others, either upward or downward comparison, often even experience weight gain. One study even found that there's a spike in cortisol and blood pressure that's sustained for nearly two hours following even a few moments of social comparison of any sort. Why isn't that interesting? While according to Frederick <laughs> Festinger, it may be natural, air quotes around that if you could see me, if you're sitting across from me, you'd see me do air quotes here with a little sarcasm, maybe natural to compare ourselves to others, it's actually not very helpful. Why not take note over the next few days and see how often you do it? In fact, pay a little bit of attention. Have you done it even today already? And which one do you lean toward, upward or downward comparison? And then notice how you feel afterwards. There's only a few seconds after that comparison for you to be aware of how you feel. Do you actually then change your behaviors also as a result of that comparison? Or do you just feel a little bit down? Even if you do change your behaviors, how long do those changes last? Comparing ourselves to others, we found, is a futile exercise. <laughs> and here's at least six reasons why. We'll go through these quickly and uh, compare yourself to yourself here. So here's the first reason why this is a futile exercise. Number one, we don't have all the information. Uh, when making comparisons, we rarely know the whole picture. Often we just use snapshots that are carefully curated by the person we're observing and compare ourselves to the snapshot. You know, that utterly invalidates that evaluation and that comparison, but it sure doesn't feel like it's invalid. Here's a second reason why it's futile to compare ourselves to others. We don't have the same values as they have, especially when we're under pressure. Every waking moment, we balance competing values and needs. In a flash, and I do mean in a flash, it's usually within a second, we choose between comfort and adventure, between risk and security, between openness and being liked, or between service and selfishness. We could go on. The person with whom we compare ourselves may choose adventure when we choose comfort, or they may choose service when we would rather sit and watch South Park. <laughs> Uh, a thousand of those little choices like that, and presto, different results. Comparison invalidated. So, not only do we not have all the information and we don't have the same values, but here's a third reason why this is just a futile exercise. We don't have the same timelines. They started sooner. They worked longer. They stayed in the saddle when they were sore. And their timelines are invisible to us or folks who compare themselves to you. You started sooner. You worked longer. Nobody saw that. Here's the fourth reason. They don't even have the same goals that you've got. <laughs> Not said about that, right? The fifth reason. We don't have the same people around us. Our four, five, or six closest partners in life are not their five or six closest partners in life. We've got cheerleaders, or maybe we've got jeer leaders, <laughs> who surround us. Our people are yes and people, or they are it'll never work people. A lot's been written about that topic. Nobody starts alone. No one arrives alone. In the things that matter in life, you and I are very similar to those we surround ourselves with. 
to those we love, in fact, to those we treasure. We are very similar to what we treasure. Hmm, a little too close to home there, maybe, huh? Our level of drive and our humor and our interests, our level of physical fitness, our curiosity, our openness and our respect for others, to name just a few characteristics, are sharpened and fueled by those around us. It's true of everybody, from Teddy Roosevelt to Kevin Hart. This is a profound truth. If you want to stop the podcast right here and think about who's around you and then compare where you want to be in life and what great things you want to accomplish... And look at those folks who are around you. Makes you want to go, hmm. Or makes you want to give them a call and thank them. Here's our sixth reason. We don't know the details of what it took to get them where they are. Surface comparisons never come with a comprehensive how-to or how-I-got-here guide. <laughs> I can't read a book by Seth Godin or all of his books, and know how he actually got where he is. Even after reading nearly everything Colin Powell has written, I still don't know what it actually took to achieve the impact that man has attained. What's more natural is not social comparison, but our minds need to compare at all times. Our brains are phenomenal at this. The grass is longer and the weather is nicer and the carpet is dirtier and the food's hotter, the pencil's duller. The comedian is funnier than the last time we observed all of those things even a day ago. My hair is longer, my knees hurt more. <laughs> and on and on and on. It's just the way that lump of neurons under our dome works. It's unending and it's marvelous. But it must be directed. So if comparing is in our neurons, how can we use that to our advantage? Well, here are three comparisons that actually work. One, compare yourself today to yourself yesterday or last week, and do so using objective rather than subjective measurements. That means we use numbers. Yesterday, three, today, four. Here's a hint. How you feel is not objective. Our emotions are a thing, for sure, but they're not objective. In almost every instance, our emotions, as powerful as they may be, are lagging indicators, not leading indicators of reality. Number two, here's, here's another way that we can get comparison to work to our advantage. Compare using helpful and objective standards. Standards are specific and objective and completely within our control. Achieving goals, on the other hand, are only partly within our control. Standards are structured as never or always. Here's the third way for us to use this comparing brain to our advantage. Compare only in arenas that actually matter. Perhaps this is the most important way to compare. I'll assume you already know those few things in life that really matter. If not, you're going to be a dry leaf blowing in the wind, completely influenced by people and trends that have little or nothing to do with you. So compare yourself in those few arenas of life that actually matter. So, my friend, 
diligently replace your reflexive comparisons <laughs> to other people with disciplined comparisons that energize and motivate you rather than ones that leave you untethered and blown about and discouraged and distracted and irritable. This practice will become a habit that'll set you free. By the way, Randy Glue Eater <laughs> went on to become the president of a respected university in California and is widely regarded as one of the most influential thinkers in higher education. <laughs> Maybe my friend Bradley was right. Maybe I was dumber than Randy. Oh, well, I'm not going to compare myself to Randy. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great day. I'm going to enjoy the rest of this cigar with this wonderful coffee. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day. 